0: Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. You have your Bible, turned with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers. Now, this is the story of Joshua. Well, actually, it's the story of Moses. Let me start in the right slice of the story. This is when Moses sends out the spies, and they are returning. Are you ready? Chapter 13, verse 25. And they, the spies, returned from scouting out the land after 40 days. Then came Moses and Aaron. And to all the Israelite congregation in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And brought them word and showed them the land's fruit. And they told Moses, we came to a land which you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And just before this, just prior to this, it says that they brought a cluster of grapes that were so large that they had to carry them on a pole between two men. Mmm, that's some grapes right there now. Mmm. So, verse twenty-eight. But the people who dwell there. Now, see, there's always a big butt right in the middle of your victory yep. dance. How many times God told you something, and then then comes the big butt? Mmm. See, some of you got views of Walmart. Quit that. Mmm. I won't say any more. But the people who dwell there are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, there we saw the sons of Enoch. Of course, Anak was a father of giants. Verse 29, Amalek dwells in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along by the side of the Jordan River. Verse 30, and Caleb quieted the people. Now, you see, can you get the picture? There's a rumbling going through the crowd. First, they come with good news. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they say, but, and suddenly they give the negative report. Everybody's clamoring. Everyone's murmuring. Caleb quiets the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it because we are able to conquer it. But his fellow scouts said, we are not able to go up against this people of Canaan, for they are stronger than we are. You ever had that moment when you felt like the circumstance was bigger than you? Verse 32. So they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land, which they had scouted out, saying the land through which we went to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. In other words, suddenly it went from a land flowing milk and honey to a land that, that will just eat you. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the Nephilim, I'll get it out, or giants, the sons of Enoch, who come from the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. Now, there's a little mental interjection there. They're seeing themselves far different than the way God sees them. And they're letting intimidation settle in on them. Chapter 14, and verse 1. And all the congregation cried out with a loud voice, and they wept that night. Everyone just got into a state of mourning and crying and weeping. Oh, God promised us to the land, but it's going to be so hard. <laughs> verse 2. And all the Israelites grumbled and deplored their situation accusing Moses and Aaron, to whom the whole congregation said, would that we had died in Egypt or that we had died in the wilderness. Now listen to this. God delivered them from Egypt, worked mighty plagues in their sight, opened the sea, swallowed an army, fed them in the wilderness... They saw their God so powerful at the foot of Mount Sinai when they were afraid to go up and sent Moses up for them when they were all supposed to go up because he thundered and he rattled and he shaked and he quaked and lightning peals came when his voice spoke. And did you ever see what Moses said to the people? He said, he's just showing off. That's what he said. That's what he said to him. He's showing off. He's showing you how big he is so you'll understand who he is. So look at this. They're mourning. They're going, I wish we'd have just died in the wilderness. What? You're on the verge of your promise. You've now got proof it's flowing with milk and honey, but you'd rather die because it might cost you a little something. You might actually have to go in and prove that you really believe God. Mm, is this too hard? Good, because it's, it's coming. Verse 4, and they said to one another, let us choose a captain to return to Egypt. I think I, I skipped a verse, didn't I? Verse 3, why does the Lord bring us to this land to fall by the sword? Oh, always me. Our wives and little ones will be prey. Is it not better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let us choose a captain to return to Egypt. Oh, let's just go back. Let's go back to slavery. Oh, we ain't even done reading yet. You guys are already preaching and we ain't even done. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the Israelites. See, Moses knows how to approach God. While they're going, choose us a captain. Take us back to bondage. Moses says, oh, I don't think so. Here's how you get in touch with God. He hits the ground, begins to pray, begins to intercede. Aren't you glad there are people interceding in the body of Christ? And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of that guy. Jephunah, who were among the scouts who had searched the land, rent their clothes. In other words, when they heard the people's attitude, they tore their clothes in anguish. There's a few things that make me want to tear my clothes once in a while. And they said to all the company of the Israelites, the land through which we have passed as scouts is exceedingly good land. This is the right report coming from Joshua and Caleb, not the one that says go back to Egypt. They're saying, no, the land that we came through, it's an exceedingly good land worth fighting for. Verse 8, if the Lord delights in us, and we know he does, they don't say that, but I just interjected that, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. And are they, what kind of people are they? Giants. Giants. We eat. We take off the giant's head, we eat giants for our bread. We take off the giant's head, we eat giants for our bread. See, you always wondered where that cadence came from. I'm telling you where it came from. It came from the heart of Joshua and Caleb. In the heart of Joshua and Caleb, Joshua being a commander of the army, he's going, oh, come on. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and we can take off the giant's head, and we can eat giants for our bread. Instead of them devouring us, our wives and our children, it's time for us to get militant and trust in the promise that God has given us to go after what belongs to us. Mm. Wow. If I get too happy, I'm going to throw the mic to one of you. Just get up and preach. Mm. Only do not rebel against the Lord, neither fear the people of this land, for they are bread for us. Their defense and shadow of protection is removed from over them. Joshua could see, but the Lord is with us. Fear them. Not, Amen. Mm. I could just run through the house right now, mm. but all the congregation said to stone Joshua and Caleb with stones, don't you love the naysayers? they'll get murderous if they can't get you to sway their direction. People will stop up their ears because they don't want to hear the truth. People will go la, 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 la. People will get vehement and violent against you because you preach the truth. Look at our nation today and look at the voices that are rising up in opposition and anything that's godly they want to fight. Anything that brings us back to our roots in our nation even, they want to fight. I know that sounds political. I'm not trying to get political. I'm getting spiritual because if you're Going to stand for Christ, then you're going to be persecuted. Yeah. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you even the more. And we are been entrusted with his power. We've been entrusted with his might. We've been entrusted with his message and with his promise. And America doesn't belong. America doesn't belong to the small interest group. It belongs to the household of faith. And it's time to stand up. Yeah. Yeah. It's time for us to get our churches back. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting before all the Israelites, verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke, spurn, and despise me? And how long will it be before they believe me, trusting in and relying on and clinging to me? For all the signs which I have performed among them. Today, I want to know what time it is. Let me ask you something. Is it 10 to 2? Or is it 2 to 10? Now you're all going, hmm, I'm hearing hmm. And, people go, and the other people are going, what in the world is he talking about? Is it 10 to 2? Or is it 2 to 10? We're passing through revival. God has spoken, spoken so many great things. Our evangelist that came in this week has only confirmed all the things the Lord has already spoken to this body. That alone ought to be a sign enough to know that somebody who knows us not is able to walk in here and tell us word for word and and verbatim what it is that God has already instructed this house to do. That ought to be sign enough. You would think when Caleb and Joshua and the and the ten spies came that there would have been some kind of understanding that we can do this. But ten did not have the same spirit as Joshua and Caleb. Let me, let me ask you something. Shama. Shaphat. Igal. Palti. Gadiel. Gadai. Amiel. Sether, Nahabi, and Guel. Anyone ever heard those names? Hmm. Have you ever heard the name Caleb? Have you ever heard the name Joshua? Mm, Caleb was a mountain man. Joshua was a great commander. And they both were promise keepers. When God spoke it, they held on to it. When God spoke it, they wouldn't let anyone talk them out of it. When God said, you will take the land, they believed in their heart that God's already provided the provision for us to take the land. I don't care how big the giants are. They'll become our bread in our sight if we'll just unite together in the faith and go after what rightfully belongs to us and was given to us by God's decree. (laughs) Yeah. Woo. Ten gave an evil report. And why is this report of theirs so evil? Because doubting God is trusting in self-reliance and satanic persuasion. Mm-hmm. We're getting serious today. We ain't playing around. Slap your neighbor high five and say, come on, baby. Pull up your huggies. The reason it was an evil report because if you doubt God, then you're trusting in self-reliance and being swayed by a satanic voice. Anything that's not God is against God. Anything that's not for God draws you away from God. Two heard the message and two held to the message, but ten shrunk back by the circumstance itself. It didn't make any sense for a church of 100 people to buy a 17,000 square foot building with no money in our pockets and yet raised $200,000 and conquered that because we all believed. And if you think $40,000 is something, I'm here to tell you God's got this. He just has a purpose for divine delay. We're about to take the land because oh, we're in the midst of revival. Man. Oh, man, are you ready? Yeah. I don't know if you guys can handle this. I've got to hurry. I promise I'll have you out by a quarter to three. Mm-hmm. Someone said, don't make promises you can't keep, Pastor. So let me ask you real quickly, who here can save yourself? I'm getting tough now. Who here can save yourself from anything? Mm -hmm. Who here often hear thoughts of defeat and doubt and self-deprecation in your thought processes? Come on, let's be honest. Who hears that stuff? Why? Because Satan wants to take you off, away from the promise. Because he knows you have a promise, and he's scared to death you're going to understand you got a promise. And he's scared to death he's going to lose his stronghold. And if he loses his stronghold, then he can't influence the area anymore. I don't know what that was, but I like that. (laughs) Look at this. So out of the 12 spies whose names are remembered? I can't remember the last time I heard someone sitting around going, well, you know, that Gadiel. <laughs> come on. I don't remember their names. Do you remember their names? No, but I remember the names of the promise keepers. Oh, there are names down through the ages that I remember. There are names down through the ages. John Wycliffe, ooh, down through the ages, whose names still stand. Why? Because they held to the promise of God and delivered the promise of God. Mm -hmm. I remember names like Smith Wigglesworth, 14 people raised from the dead in his ministry in the 40s. Mm -hmm. That's my God. That's my God. So out of the 12 spies, we only remember two names, the two who believed God's promise. But the 10 were more persuasive. People would rather believe a negative report than a positive one because if the positive report means it's going to cost me something, I'd rather back up. When the children of Israel came to Mount Sinai, and they were going to meet their God for the first time, 400 years of bondage, hearing the stories of old, how God moved in the olden time days, and now they're going to get to meet him face to face. They're going to stand in the glory of the one who delivered them from the power and the strong arm of Pharaoh, and they come to the mountain, but because he wasn't quite what they expected, they backed up. Why? Because they were afraid it would cost them something coming up the mountain. Whew. Now the majority, the ten, they may have grabbed the minds of the remaining Israelites, but it was the two that hit their face and began to proclaim this land can be taken that we remember in this day and age. But those ten are easily forgotten because naysayers only accomplished in life was to hold all of Israel away from their promise for 40 years. The two, if they'd have followed, they could have had the promise 40 years earlier. But because they listened to the ten, because it was ten to two instead of two to ten, Come on. They missed the timing of God and ended up in a 40-year nomadic travel ban. Circling the mountain, constantly seeing their promise come up every so many days. Constantly reminded that that belongs to us, but we can't get in. Is this too hard? And these 10 died and took an entire generation with them. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound ugly, but there are churches that are dying, and they're going to take a multitude with them, and it's time that a remnant church arises and says, no, this is the canonization of the truth of God, and these are the promises, and they're all yes and amen, and we're here to help a generation win. We're here to help a generation learn how to reach. We're here to help a generation understand that God's promises are yes and amen, and they'll never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not God's word. Hmm, I've got to hurry. While the promise had already been given and was within the grasp of their fingertips, these ten took that entire generation with them. Remember how Joshua and Caleb and a new generation did it, though. Because after that generation died, guess who was left? The promise keepers. Everyone else in that generation died because they couldn't believe. But those who can believe had their strength renewed in the race, had their strength renewed. Joshua is now 80 years old. Caleb is now 80 years old. And behind them is a 20-something Teen something, 30 something, 40 something crowd. But it's a new generation being led by the previous generation of promise keepers who understand that our responsibility is to train the next generation to go after the promise that God has given them and not to shrink back from what God has said do. Mm-hmm. Keep that up. I'm gonna run. And here's how they did it: a little silent marching. A little silent marching. You see what the previous generation didn't understand is behind those walls, even those giants for 40 years were living in sheer terror that one day that band of army is gonna come across the Jordan River. And when they do, we're toast. Giants for they understood that God was with them. They were so thankful that they were able to intimidate ten spies, or otherwise their lineage would have ended forty years sooner. And here they were, silently marching around the wall. You know the you know the story. A little blast of worship trumpet. That's the way I like it anyway. <sighs> and a unified, all altogether generation, shoulder to shoulder, in faith, in a culture of honor. And two old-timers raised up a, shout! (laughs) (laughs) And when they did the walls, you know the story, fell flat. And the enemy went, oops. Come on, let's just, this, come on. Oops. You know, they had their eye on them for all those days. On day seven, they're going, well, I don't know what this routine's about, but everybody be on guard. They're going to do something. This is a new generation. They're not scared like the last generation. And when they came around and they stopped, you know hearts were palpitating on the other side of the walls. Hmm. And when they gave the shout and the wall started crumbling and the earth started rocking and everything started falling in, you know down in their heart that a mighty fear rose up and they knew they were toast and they took off for the hills. And guess who followed them in? It was Joshua and Caleb leading the band of a new generation who says, we'll not be denied the promise of God. We're coming for what rightfully belongs to us. Mm -hmm. I like it better when it's 2 to 10 so when the walls came down they had no fight left they took off and began to flee and Israel chased them down and drove them out we have come to this region for such a time as this ladies and gentlemen we have been given the promise of this region how many can get with me Many influential men of God have crossed our paths to remind us that God's promise to us is real. Our promise of souls, healings, signs, wonders didn't come from some human whim. They are a direct promise from God. And ladies and gentlemen, he means it. The only thing that can stop us is to believe some naysayers' reports. Mm. Now, this is going to sound arrogant. I do not mean it that way. But you have a Joshua at the helm. Someone who has witnessed the downfall of a generation. Someone who sees that any word given in contrast to what God has spoken is a deceptive destroyer. So, read my lips. Not on my watch. There's a new generation on the rise. And like Joshua, I'm old enough to understand government and glory order and spontaneity of the spirit yes. I'm old enough to understand the logos word and its concrete faith building message and instruction and the importance of the rhema word spoken by God into a specific right now circumstances and we are not waiting for a great awakening ladies and gentlemen we are in a great awakening yes. we are not waiting for revival we are in a revival My instructions from the Father has not changed, and I decree revival is here, and I decree the awakening has begun. Let the naysayers die in the wilderness, but I'm going to follow Joshua and his word in, in chapter 24 and 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve him unashamedly. As for me and my house, we don't care what you think of us. We don't care what you think of what goes on on in here. We're not here to build numbers. We're here to win souls. We're not here to look good. We're not here to be pretty. We're not a parade boat. We're a fishing vessel, and we're here to help people who need him the most to come back to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're here to help pastors who have fallen and succumb to the naysaying voices. We're here to help those who have lost their way. We're here to help those who are gender confused. We're here to help those who need us most, those that are addicted, those that are in struggle, those that are in peril, those that are in depression. We're here to make a difference. We're here to lay hands on you. We're here to believe with you. We're here to pray for you. We're here to hold you up. We're here to, to, to literally turn our nation upside down, to turn our community upside down, to turn our city upside down. This region will never be the same again. Thank you, Father, you bunch of radical people. Joshua 1.8 says, I will keep God's words and promises upon my lips, declaring and decreeing the goodness of God. Our responsibility isn't to make God's will work. Can I help you? This is exactly what I needed. This revival was exactly what I needed to help me because I had a little, a little glitch that I was struggling with, and it helped me. It's not our responsibility to make God's will work just to believe it and obey his command. If I lay hands on somebody and they don't get healed, that's not my responsibility. That's God's. Come on. But my responsibility is to understand what the word says, that it's his will that all... Would be well and to lay my hands on them in faith believing and just trust God. Trust him. My job is to pray. To fast. To feed. To drive out demons. To heal sickness by representing Christ as I stand in proxy for him. Being his mouth, his hands, his feet, and his will applied in the earth moving forward by his command, then marveling at the signs and the wonders and the miracles that follow our obedience. We have signs and wonders that have been loosed through this house. And through this house, there are so many lives that have been changed just in three days' time, in three days' time. It will take me two or three weeks to just Collect all of the stories because there were people who were healed in their seat and touched in their seat and changed in their seat who who didn't come forward in the meeting but told us later. Just because someone dared to come in and believe what God says. We cannot back down. So come on, Passion Church. We are an end time church. We are an end-time ministry. I'm going to lay this out there. There may not be another generation. I'm not saying that as gloom and doom. I'm saying that out of a reality check as I see the signs and the things that are going on that the book of Revelation tells us is coming in the latter days. There may not be another generation, but we've got the Joshua-Caleb generation in the house. And although their generation passed away and didn't get it, there was a new generation waiting for the promise. And it's time for us, Joshua's and Caleb's, to grab this younger generation and bring them with us so that we can turn our world upside down. I love your heart. I won't be denied. I'm almost through. We must work while it is yet day. We can't sit around and just have church and be another building soaking up an acre of land or six acres of land and try to be pretty and try to be cute. There's no time for that. There's no time to be pretty and cute. There's no time for light shows and laser beams. There's no time... Except for us to bring the undeniable promise of God to this generation. Mm. So, when we worship, let's give 110%. Let's give 110% attention to the Word, let's give 110% in prayer. Let's give 110% in the acts of obedience. Because Passion Church, I'm going to ask you one more time. Is it 10 to 2 or 2 to 10? Is it 10 to 2 or 2 to 10? That's all right. Say it out. Now, how many really mean that when you say that? It's Raise your hand. You really mean that. We've got a mighty work to do. We've got to do it in and around our schedule. But there's, there's a city to be won, and it's going to take every hand on deck. It isn't for the 20%. It isn't for a handful of leaders who see the need and run in. It's for all of us. There's something for every one of us to do in the kingdom. And you won't be denied here. And you won't be shut out. And you won't be told, no, whatever it is God's laying on your heart, we'll do our best to help you develop in that area to get to the finish line. But it's going to take 110%. If you guys would go ahead. It's going to take 110%. We've already had a powerful move in this place today, so you don't need a whole lot more. But here's what you do need. You need to resolve down in your heart that it's 2 to 10 and I'm 1. 1 of the two. You need to get it down in you that you're going, to, you're going to be a part of this generation. You need to get it down in you that we, we're tired of living in a, a nomadic existence. We're tired of rounding the mountain. It's time to go up. It's time to go into his presence. It's time to be where God is. It's time for us to make an everlasting change. In our region, it is time for us to be the salvation that people can get to when we speak his name. They can run to us and feel his power and his presence that resides within us and around us because of the atmosphere. Because we serve a God, an awesome God, an almighty God who is omnipresent and with us at all times. He's omniscient and knows our every thought and knows when we're going through struggle and knows when we're going through heartache and knows when we're going through difficulty. He's already read our thoughts and ready to move in our behalf. He's looking for a generation that will not be denied. He's looking for a generation of world changers. He's looking for a generation... Who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty, not afraid to go after the enemy, not afraid to march around some walls, not afraid to shout, not afraid to to make a sound of worship like no other generation. He's looking for a generation that when the walls fall, aren't afraid to go chasing the enemy down and taking him out and using him as your bread. He's looking, he's looking for that generation. Are you that generation? I ain't giving you a choice because I'm a Joshua. We are that generation. Wow, one person got it. We are that generation. We start as a remnant, but I'm telling you, as factuous as we will be, it's going to change the region. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all about building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website at passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.